Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Yes. Guess where I came back from. Um, wait, 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 wait. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Ready? La, 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 la. Hawaii. La, la. No, New York. What? That's the New York song. No. You remember Frank That's Sinatra? Not, <laughs> Frank that, Sinatra. Da, 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 no, 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 no. That, Frank Sinatra in the middle of Times Square going, la, la, la. <laughs> oh, yes, that iconic moment with <laughs> the Rat Pack. And, like, yeah. And Sammy Davis Jr. is going, Frankie, what are you doing? And Frank's like, la, what do you la, think la, I'm doing? La, la, la. Yeah. He was doing it with a Minnie Mouse voice and he had uh-huh. a little ukulele. Yeah. It's my favorite Frank Sinatra moment of all time. It really, really <laughs> it's is. Great song. It's a great song. It's a great song. It's just, it sings so Classic. well. New York. I went to New York. Yes. I went to, uh, I did so much. I brought my children back. They looked at the land of their birth and their, the place where they used to live. And we did two museums and we did uh, a musical on Broadway. And we went to a wedding in Queens and we went to a reception in Brooklyn and we we did we did a lot. Nice Central Park. We did Central Park too. Did what? Central Park. Central. Park. I'm sorry. What did that sound like? Center Park. Center Park. It's a lesser known park in New York, but we prefer it. Quite <laughs> frankly, is that left or right? It is it's right just in the right, middle. Right smack dab. Yeah. In the center. In the water, actually, it's yep. an unfortunate placement. <laughs> but when you take all of New York and you find the okay. center, all right. that's where it is. All right. Yes. Well, and uh, now I'm back, and and we're doing a podcast, and. Uh, and what do we do on this here podcast? We talk about New York. A lot. And Frank Sinatra. Very little. <laughs> Shockingly. Shockingly little. But I'm okay with that. Uh, as this is not the Frank S and Kate. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what that would be, Fuse, but it was not. Fuse 8 and Kate and Frankie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where in every episode we debate the relative classic merits of Frank's oeuvre. Yeah, and every every book he just goes, I did it my way. <laughs> every single what? <laughs> no, we talk about picture books on this oh. podcast, and if they're classics or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, we took him to museums, and uh, MoMA was one of them, and they had this wonderful uh, bunch of stuff by the artist Jacob Lawrence, and then sitting there on a little, uh, you know, the place where you can sit, little benches, bench, yeah. Oh, oh look. <laughs> A bench. There you go. Which was what my children were saying. The adults were fine, but the kids had to sit every three seconds. Anyway, on the bench was a children's book about Jacob Lawrence, and it was by today's author-illustrator. Is it author-illustrator or just illustrator? Illustrator, I'm going to say. Maybe author-illustrator. I'm not sure. I don't Why remember. are you asking me? I it's don't know It's been a the long time since I put the book in my bag, and now <laughs> I can't remember, so we're both going to be surprised okay. when I pull it out. All so right. here it comes. Harlem by Walter. It's a poem by Walter Dean Myers. Illustrated by pictures by Christopher Myers. Okay, so Christopher Myers was the one who did the book uh, in the MoMA, um, but his dad was Walter Dean Myers, huh. who was uh, quite the feller, and uh, and they did many of many a fine book together, and this is one of them. And since I just came from Harlem, where my children and I used to live, 
I thought it was fitting that we do it this week. So go read that book. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's talk about Walter Dean Myers. I like Chris Myers. Chris Myers is awesome, but Chris Myers is uh, still relatively young. Has many fine books. We will get to Chris. Have no worry about it. Walter was kind of a fascinating fellow. I highly recommend that you check out his website, which uh, in some ways is sort of kept up to date. In some ways is not. His blog is still on there, so there is that. And he died a couple years ago. But I love his biography on there, or rather I should say his autobiography that's on there. This is great. So this is this is the paragraph he begins with, and I just think this is a killer opening paragraph of a person's own life. Just listen to this. I was born on a Thursday, the 12th of August, 1937, in Martinsburg, West Virginia. My name at birth was Walter Milton Myers. I was about two years old when my mother died, and then I was inexplicably given to Florence and Herbert Dean. I was raised in Harlem by Herbert, who was African-American, and Florence, who was German and Native American, and wonderful. They loved me very much, and I grew to love Harlem. Okay, that's just a great opening sentence. The rest of it sort of goes through his early life, and uh, and then at the bottom, you get all the awards. And just to summarize, to a certain extent, um, it says he's won more awards than any author for young adults. I think that is true. And is one of the most prolific writers, with more than 110 books to his credit. He received, all right, sit back, here we go, the Margaret A. Edwards Award for Lifetime Achievement in Writing for Young Adults. He won the Coretta Scott King Award five times and got two Newbery Honors. Um, His book, Monster, was the first winner of the Michael L. Prince Award. It was a National Book Award finalist. It was a New York Times bestseller. He delivered the 2009 Mayhill Arbuthnot Honor Lecture. Uh, Let's see, he served as the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature which was a post, if you do not know, appointed by the Library of Congress. Basically, he's done a lot. The year was 1997, and the book Harlem came out by Walter Dean Myers. Oh, that makes more sense now. Oh, really? That it's a 90s book? I had no idea. Did you did you hear the Friends theme playing in the background as you nope. read it? And, and thought to yourself, I was trying to think of like the least likely song that you could hear uh, in the background. It would be Hanson's Mbop. Mbop. Uh, it's such an Mbop book it when is. i look at it yeah and 97 i mean it screams boy bands yeah that's what i was thinking <laughs> i was like what's the most boy band picture book i can give kate <laughs> harlem yeah yes um so the first thing i noticed is how big this book is it is physically large yeah it's very tall mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but if it were any smaller you wouldn't be able to see the details in the book so correct i think it has to be this size it's you know what this is a thing that publishers and librarians have to wrestle with because if you make your book really tall it doesn't fit on shelves which means that it'll be shelved with the spine up and the, and the bottom of the book facing the reader which means it can't really advertise itself because often all we see in books are the spines but if you make it small uh you lose a lot of that detail yeah yeah and kids like big books at least when they're younger they do they think it's cool yeah gigantic book well, I like the the dedication by the illustrator for this book. It says, to mom and dad, because I like you people. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. Right? <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to collect the best dedications in children's books. And I think that would be one of them. Yeah, I would, I would, I would pick that one. I mean, it helps that his dad wrote it. So, you know. Right. Yeah. So. Doesn't mean necessarily, though, that you like his dad. So there you true. go. True. Yeah. So is this collage and paint that is my guess i will say 
Yes. Okay. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking, you know, collage pictures of brick and then pasting them on the paper to have it look like a wall, but then painting a man sitting on the brick. Yeah. Um, it's it's a nice mixture of arts. It of, is. Yeah. It is. Mixed media, yes. if you will. Yes. Um, so... This book wasn't lying when on the front it says it's a poem. I mean, it's just one poem, right? It's very poetic. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, to be honest... Not false advertising. I, I didn't get all of it because I don't understand poetry Okay, fun entirely. fact, neither do I. And our mother is a poet. A published poet. So <laughs> my theory has always been that it skips generations. Oh. Yeah, I hope. Because I mean, otherwise, I mean, uh, I, I took classes and I, but that was like fifteen years ago. Yeah, I, I must have too. But so if yeah. if I don't under, quite understand the imagery, it could be that kids honestly would get it more than we would. I mean, kids are better at poetry, I feel like, than adults. Maybe it kind of speaks on a certain level that a kid can understand, and adults kind of like I don't understand the metaphor, you know. So yeah, there there is one. So I'm just going to focus a lot on the. Um, collages <laughs> right but there, that's fine there's one uh illustration of kids playing in the street and there's a water hydrant yeah the water hydrant's been opened up yeah and it's playing on the street yeah and that really happens by the way i've seen that yeah, yeah and the illustrator could have just taken blue paper or blue paint and had that represent water sure but instead if you look carefully it looks like it's floral wallpaper that he's like broken off and included that in with the water imagery maybe to make it look like the water is a little murkier yeah that's funny from here i can't tell that that's floral wallpaper at all it just looks like the undulating reflection that the sun has when water you know has sort of waves within itself yeah it's very dimensional it is which is clever technique it is Mm. This is where I couldn't un- figure out what time period this took place in because right. it's a it's a picture of three women and I'm looking at their clothes and I'm thinking like is it 70s because of the printed pant is it 80s because of like the bright color is it 90s because of the um, overalls is it 2000s because of the shoes? Like, oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. figure out... What... I like that overalls are 90s. Oh, yeah. And I think that's true. But I hadn't really thought about now. it before, but... 90s are coming back, so it could take that. place now. I don't want to hear that. The 90s, the, the, and what parts of the 90s are coming back is always fascinating to me. Like, apparently the off-the-shoulder thing is coming back. Yeah. I'm like, All Center right. part. Center part. Okay. Overalls. And then crop tops. I've definitely seen an increase in crop tops. Yep. And uh, and supposedly low-rise jeans. But we're going to put an end to that. Yeah. That was a bad idea happen. the first time around. Yep. <laughs> and if that catches on, all my jeans in the in the store are going to be low-rise. And yep. nobody wants to see that. Nope. So, <laughs> no. No. Exactly. Yes. No, I think what you mean with the art here. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's interesting. Like he, he, and also what we should say, you know, Walter D. Myers was not a young man when this book was written. So it could easily have been filled with nostalgia for the Harlem of the past, but he seems to be talking about the Harlem of the present, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting, which at this point is now the Harlem of the past. So there you go. Well, it could be present. It could be present. It could be present. Um, I've been in Harlem recently, and there are a lot of Starbuckses there. So, oh. yeah, that's a little different from when he wrote yeah, it. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah you go. There's a, a part of the poem here where uh, he talks about different games. And then 
so he says, um, they're like hide and seek knights and ladies, uh, living out their own slam dunk dreams, but stickball heroes. But he says, ring a levio warriors, which I was like, Ooh, I don't know. So I, I asked I you, know. do you know what this is? Yeah. You don't? No. Okay. I'll tell you. Okay. Apparently, it's a game that originated in New York. Okay. Uh, It's a children's game in which members of one group try to find and capture hiding members of another group. A captured player is kept in a circle, drawn on the ground, and is set free when tagged by a teammate. So it's like, there are versions of this. Yeah, it's like a uh, kick the can almost. Yeah. What about tag um, sort of. It's. Yeah, we had a version of dodgeball that was called Doctor, where you would stand frozen until someone would run in and tag oh, you back okay. in. And well, actually, only one person, the Doctor, could bring you back in. But <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was I. I didn't know. No, what... I've, I'm completely ring, unfamiliar ring with that. Ring a ring a levio. Ring a levio. It's fun to say. Ring yeah. a levio. Ring a levio. Ring a levio. And then this is the part of the poem that's just name drop, name drop, name drop, name oh, drop. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Which is very common now. And I don't think it was as common back then. But a lot of kids' books right now are just, let's just name a lot of names. So Langston, Dubois, Baldwin. Then he starts talking about um, iconic places such as the Cotton Club, the Apollo. And I'm like, I know what some of these are. I do too. <laughs> I have walked by them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what Ring of Levio was, though. No. Nah, nah, can't, can't win them all. No. This is my favorite illustration in the entire book. The one on the left? Yes. It's okay. a man with a cane sitting on a chair. And the imagery around the border, if you read very carefully, is a quiz. Oh. Um, and it seems like it's questions based around Africa. Oh. Uh, the I like the columns. Like, it seems like Roman columns that are featured in his hat. Almost a crown. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. the texture of the background because it's it's like a like printed paper, yeah. but it's it's murky in spots. I, it's It's got, like, I don't know. I, I just thought this illustration is my favorite because it's got so many different things going on. I'm just wondering how you would even make it because there are elements to it that are painted, but I feel like the painted elements and the printed elements i guess he's painted do you think he was painted separately cut out and then placed on there or do you think he was painted on top of the mixed media i think he's i think he's painted on top of the mixed media but really the only things about him that are painted are his face and hands right everything else is collage from his oh i couldn't tell that from here i thought he was entirely painted no so his different color jacket the pants the socks, everything, it seems like is collage, including his cane. It's... You know what I like? I like the angle of his foot. He's, he's crossed his legs and there's one foot a little higher and it's just like inclined up slightly. Yeah. I think that's just a really nice detail. It's the little details. Yeah. Yeah. We are recording this the day after the um, school shooting that happened in Texas. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this line in the poem um, is very poignant given the events of yesterday. It says... Sometimes despair makes stoops shudder. Sometimes there are endless depths of pain singing a cappella on the street corners, and sometimes not. Mm. And the sometimes mm-hmm. not is on the next page. It's on page. the opposite page. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. But you have it's... an illustration of a kid, and then you hear this and talking about mm-hmm. despair. I was like, wow, that yeah. that hits a certain a different way. It does. Given it does. Given the events yeah. of yesterday. No, I agree with you. 
And then you flip the page and it says, sometimes it is the artist looking into a mirror, painting a portrait of his own heart. And it's a man petting a black cat. Oh, and that's, I wonder, that's, is that him? No, that's, that's his son. That's, that's, yeah, that's Walter Dean. I'm sorry. That's Chris Myers painting himself. Does he have a black cat? He must have, because that's wondering. clearly him. He, he's enormously tall, and he doesn't look like that as much now. He's much less hair. But at the time that this came out, back in 97, he had a big old head of hair, and that is him, 100%. You can recognize. That is recognizably him. Okay. And now, that's an interesting... How that's many... an interesting... How many... Well, he, this is a Caldecott honor book. How many Caldecott award or honor books have an illustration of the illustrator... In the book. I was just going to ask, why isn't there a medal on the front? Okay. Because... This is it... a very good reason. I'm, I, I'll am i double check this, but I'm pretty sure. Let me just check and make sure. Because the illustrations are so beautiful, and I wasn't sure, like, maybe it didn't win one because there's photographs, like, in the collage, and that wouldn't count. But then okay. we did that no, no, buckle no, no. bunny it's, or whatever. That it's a it funnier too. reason than that. Um so you can always tell what edition of a book is by looking on the publication page, and there's usually a range of numbers. The, no, the lowest number on the end, on either end, is the edition that the book is. This is a first edition. Oh. My library would have purchased this. Uh, this book was purchased July 9th, 1997, and this won the uh, Caldecott honor in January of 1998. So unless you bought the sticker, which you can do, you can buy the stickers and put them on the books. I'm sure it went like right there. Uh, this is this was pre-award winning first edition Harlem from my library, which okay, once good, in a while I run across. I, no, 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 it, it definitely has one normally. I, think, I was yeah. going to say it definitely deserves some sort of nod. Because... Well, I almost feel like they even lay, let's and they do this sometimes, they leave space in case awards... Uh, <laughs> you can just put it right here, people. You can put it right there. You can put it right, right there. It's beautiful. Sometimes <laughs> they don't. Sometimes there are books where the cover is so busy, there's no room for awards, and I'm like, poor planning! Poor planning! You need lots of space. So, yeah, there you go. And that's it. That's and all that's it. All right. So, um, yeah, as I say, it won a Caldecott honor. Um, Walter Dean Myers, who wrote the poem, uh, he died in 2014, I've been having a hard time figuring out if this book is as well-remembered as it used to be. There was a time when it was assigned quite frequently. Um, it was sort of, you know, it was, you know, there have been lots of picture books since this one about Harlem, about the history of Harlem, about Harlem today, contemporary Harlem. Less so, I'd say, when this book originally came out. I get the feeling that maybe some people have sort of forgotten about it, um, but it is still in print. And certainly this edition right here, it had gone out two years ago, last time it was checked out from my library. So getting checked out, but not as checked out as it used to be. So yeah, I don't know. Okay. Ratings time. So could I tell you what this book is about? Nope. Nope. No, not really. I mean, it's about Harlem. It's on the top. I, 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 if, if I had to sort of badly summarize, I would say it feels like it's one man's insight into being black in Harlem. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. But that's all I've got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, good. But I love the use of collage mixed with paint. I don't understand understand all the poetry, but I certainly appreciate it. And I, again, I don't know if kids are going to understand it either, but maybe... 
kids will just like listening to the sounds of the words and the syllables. Um, I'm glad it got a Calcat nod because I think it certainly deserved one. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd read it again, but I'm also a Chicago girl, not a New Yorker. So. Yeah. And let me just tell you, there is no Chicago equivalent of this. Nobody, nobody makes picture books about Chicago. That's prove me wrong world. Name the iconic Chicago picture book. It has not been done. That's disturbing. Isn't that weird. It's that's, really weird. That's actually. sad. No, it's bizarre. Um, you would think there's been a gazillion of about New York City, huh? And almost none. Well, that needs Chicago. to be fixed, right? ASAP. So we'll do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I gave it a six. Uh huh. Yeah, um, I'm very similar because, uh, like you, poetry, downright respect it, and if taught correctly to kids, I think with guided. Uh, teachers showing kids what to pay attention to with this book, I think it'd do incredibly well. Um, Chris's art style would really change over the years. It's, it's definitely still a little unformed at this point, but beautiful. Um, he's done some just fantastic work with it. Again, like you, would I reread and reread and reread it again? I don't know that I would, but I do think it has some real classic status. So I'm actually a 6.5. Okay, so with our scores combined, it's a classic. It's a classic! Woo! All right, letters time. All right, this comes from Rochelle, who writes, Dear Betsy and Kate, I had COVID this week, and I was really tired. So instead of trying to get things done, I decided to binge on your podcast. I really enjoyed it because it is nice to listen to grown-up discussion of kids lit. As a busy solo school librarian, I rarely get that at work. I have some comments. One, I love the word parlay. (laughs) Two, I know almost all the books, but you introduced me to some special titles like The Lonely Doll and Else Marie. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Three, you guys are awesome. Aw. Four, you should do The Sweetest Fig. Not enough people know that one. It's it's on my list. It's on my to-do list. We've done a lot of Chris Van Allsburg, so Ah. It's, it's on there somewhere. But I have an issue with a very early episode. When you talk about the night kitchen, Kate is very against the idea of breakfast cake and questions if that is even a thing. It is a thing. Breakfast cake is amazing and a cultural tradition, at least in my family. Nutritionally, it isn't any worse than Frosted Flakes or chocolate frosted sugar bombs with extra sugar. (laughs) My very Jewish grandparents would have a nice little slice of cake with coffee or special breakfast, like on Shabbos or holiday mornings. I share this tradition with my kids for some very delicious special days. Okay, let's let's be clear. What kind of cake are we talking about? Because well, I, it's like coffee cake. Well, I was gonna say our mother would make coffee cake, but I wouldn't. Well, she call calls that... it coffee cake, but it's clearly pound cake. But yes, I wouldn't call that cake. Really? Because pound cake is very cakey. When, it's when, a lot of cake. The like... night kitchen cake. I'm thinking like frosting, thinking frosting. and tears and. You know, know, layered cake. Frosting is on a lot of people's cinnamon rolls, too. But But that's icing. That's not frosting. Oh, but sometimes they call it frosting. You're right. It's different, though. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Anyway, she just ends, thanks for the podcast. Best, Rochelle. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was just a really nice message to receive. Yeah. I'm sorry you have COVID. I said that to her when I responded. I said, well, I am sorry you have COVID because that super sucks. Uh, And then I thanked her for the nice letter. Oh. Grown-up things we like. Okay, you go first. Okay. So, 
at my library, we have this list that I started um, called the 101 Great Books for Kids list. And anybody on staff can join, and it's super fun. I never wanted to do it for adult books. Because they're long. And who has the time? And also, I'm reading kids' books the whole time, so I don't have time for the adult books. So I could not do that group myself. But enterprising fellow staff people, seeing how well this other list did, decided they would start an adult version. Not 101, because that would be crazy talk, but uh, like 25 or so. So anyone on staff can join. All you have to do is read four adult books in the course of the year and do a little write-up for them. So I have found, I was like, okay, I want to do this, but I just don't have time to read like novels or, or things, but I have time to read comics. So the new comic has just come out. Um, there's a book called Third Person by Emma Grove. It is autobiographical. It's a memoir. It is around 900 pages. Wow. But um, very sparingly illustrated. So it, it I mean, it, it's really addictive. I have a hard time just trying to read a page or two without just like binging, you know, 30, 40 of them at a time. It is about, um, well, Emma herself. Emma is transgender. In the book, she is going to this guy named Toby, a therapist for approval for hormone replacement therapy. But it becomes pretty clear pretty soon that Emma has a dissociative identity disorder, which is to say she has two other personalities that occasionally come out. Now, this was over-analyzed. This was over-assigned um, back in the 70s and the 80s and even a little bit of the 90s when, uh, you know, The Many Faces of Eve was very popular. So Toby is very uncertain whether or not Emma is having him on or if she actually has dissociative identity disorder. Um, and then it just goes through the different personalities and Emma's early life. And it is so addictive. You cannot stop reading it. Um, it just flies by. And I've had to buy multiple copies from my library because even before it came out, because so many people had heard about it and wanted to read it. So highly recommend it. Third Person by Emma Grove. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, Mine is someone that you should follow on Instagram or if you're younger on the TikTok. On the t- on the TikTok. I, I don't the follow the TikTok, but oh, the but, but I do Instagram. All right. uh, her, I do too. Yeah. Her name is Chanel Williams, or her uh, her handle is C H uh, A N, as in Nancy W I L L S. She's from North Hamptonshire. North Hamptonshire. She's British. Uh, she's multiracial, and she is a huge, huge Maggie Smith fan, Ooh. and does the perfect impersonation oh, seen her. of Professor McGonagall yes. from Harry Potter. If you need a good laugh, go check her out, because sometimes she'll do videos where she dresses up as McGonagall and teaches, um, you know, like... Harry Potter and Ron and, and like all the kids like during the Yule Ball she'll, she'll teach them how to do different TikTok dances <laughs> <laughs> it's so good that's awesome that is awesome or she'll she she can ride a horse so she'll like ride a horse or a scooter and she'll just scream out like while either like running down the beach or running like going down the street Hogwarts is threatened man the boundaries <laughs> protect us do your duty to our school I've always wanted to use that spell. And she does just the perfect impersonation. It's the perfect Scottish accent. Um, And I really like the ones where she pretends to insult Umbridge um, because she says what all of us wish McGonagall had said. (laughs) 
So, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend you check out Chanel Williams on Instagram or the Tiki Talk, and uh, you'll get a good laugh. I think she gets, rec- you know, sometimes the Instagram will recommend, like, you like, you know, Lonnie. Maybe you would like this. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I think she's been recommended to me uh, in the course of things. You should so. follow her. It's, I should follow her. She's hilarious. Excellent. All right. Well, that's that's two good recommendations right there. Yeah. Of very grown-up things. Very. Well done. And <laughs> it wasn't something that you actually disliked. That you snuck in to the grown-up things we like. I'm not yeah. meh about her. You're not meh about her. I actually her. like her. That is a <laughs> increase of 100% of how much you like the thing from this week to last week. So well done there. Thank you. All right. Well, um... I w- the other grown-up thing I could have done was that my pumpkins are finally starting to grow. But, oh, yeah. Your pumpkins are starting to grow. But I don't want to jinx it because yeah, I only we've, just we've planted them. We've been burned by and, the pumpkins before. But I tried early this year and we'll see. I, I like your chances this year. I'm feeling good. Thank I'm you. I'm feeling good about the pumpkins this year. 75% we'll see. of the seeds have come up. So right, I think right. that's pretty good, right? It's very good. We'll especially see. this early in the season. So right. it's quite good. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Let's see if we can beat that stupid putt-putt place that always has pumpkins growing <laughs> Between the putt-putt thing. You know the place I mean? No. Ah, stupid putt-putt place. All right. Well, until we go back to the putt-putt place, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Tiki Talk is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.